0: God's good, isn't he? He is speaking to us this morning. Be open, be aware, be awake to hear what God is saying to us. Press into his presence. It's good, isn't it? There is no better place to be than in God's presence. No better place to be. Hey, so last week I started a brand new series called Reboot. This idea of starting something again, of doing something in a new way, in a way that is interesting and engaging. And so grabbing hold of that opportunity that we've got kind of coming out of lockdown. It's very echoey, isn't it? I'm sure everyone will play with it. It's new. So we've got to grab hold of this opportunity as we come out of lockdown and, you know, the trials that we've kind of gone through and we've worked through the past 18 months and actually we can have a new and a fresh start. It's an opportunity for us to kind of look at our lives, our priorities, maybe look at our faith and see in what ways we can shift, in what ways we can make some changes for the better, for the positive. In Isaiah 43, it says, See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Last week, we looked at some lessons from the flood, when God wiped out humanity and then started again with Noah and his family. And so this week, we're going to look at the Israelites, and I'm going to talk about lessons from the wilderness so about 400 years after Pharaoh had invited Joseph and his family to kind of settle in Egypt, we, uh, we see how the Israelites, God's people, have been thriving in this new home of Egypt. And in Exodus chapter 1 verse 7, it says, "...the people of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly." They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong so that the land was filled with them. I don't know if you clocked that. The people of Israel were fruitful and they increased greatly. This is an echo of what God spoke over Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden in Genesis 1 and also his instructions to Noah and his family as they exited the ark that we talked about last week. And I just love these little details, these little moments in scripture. It really kind of gets me excited because it, it shows how God works in the detail, in the intricacies of his, his plan throughout history. And we see these, these moments where God is working and God has this plan, this great plan for humanity. And so the book of Exodus, it tells this story of how God rescues his people, the enslaved Israelites, by confronting and defeating Noah and so uh, Pharaoh. Sorry. And so in this story, we see Moses and the 10 plagues and then the introduction of the, the very first Passover. And then the Israelites pass through the, the waters of the Red Sea. Um, and then in the second half of the book of Exodus, we see Moses leading Israel. To the foot of Mount Sinai, where God then invites the Israelites into a covenant relationship with him. Because back in Genesis, God promised that through the line of Abraham, he would restore his blessing to all nations. The the kind of actions of Adam and Eve in that moment was, was kind of broke God's plan for humanity. But now, He's kind of working through this promise that he made back in Genesis to Abraham that he would restore his blessings to all nations. And what he says is, in this moment, if my people, if Israel will obey the terms of this covenant, of this promise between God and his people, then actually they will become so shaped by God's laws by his teaching, by his justice, that they will become, it says, a kingdom of priests. They'll become a kingdom of priests. Essentially what he's saying is they they will become the blueprint to show everyone else who God is and how we should live. And so they're being given this opportunity by God to come back into relationship with him, to partner with him once again. And of course that is not an offer that you reject. So in that moment they accept it with all gusto and we see Moses going up the mountain and he meets with God and he gets the law in the Ten Commandments and he comes back down and I don't know, maybe most of you know how that goes. But back in the Garden of Eden, it was the actions of Adam and Eve that meant that access to God's presence was lost. God's presence that we've been singing about and hearing about God speaking to us this morning. It's incredible how he works. That actually in that moment in the garden when when Adam and Eve made the wrong decision that access to God's presence was lost. But now, through the line of Abraham and the covenant with the Israelites, God gives Moses some plans He gives Moses these plans to build the tabernacle, a place where his presence can come once again to dwell among his people. And we see this this beautiful uh, restoration, this demonstration of just how much God loves us, just how much God loves his people. And ultimately his passion and his desire to be with us, to have a relationship with us. That is what he longs for above anything else. That is why he created man in the first place, to have relationship, to share his love. And so once again, he's giving us, he's giving his people this opportunity to be with him once again. And so after about a year of of enjoying God's presence and and praising him in the tabernacle the cloud of God's presence lifts from the tabernacle and then leads the Israelites into, uh, away from Mount Sinai into the wilderness. And actually, once they've been led into the wilderness, it doesn't take them long to begin to moan and grumble and whinge and just get so downhearted. They're like, we're hungry, we're thirsty, we've had enough of this. We just wanna go back to Egypt I mean, that speaks volumes, doesn't it? They were enslaved in Egypt. They were treated like dirt by Pharaoh. And yet in the wilderness, following God's lead, they start to moan and grumble and long to be back in Egypt, in slavery. They have this issue with following God because it's not an easy journey. It's not an easy path. They face some struggles, they face some challenges, they face some hardship, and so they have a moan and they say, I want to go back to where it was easy and comfortable and what we knew best. And so as we think about and we're talking about this theme, Reboot, actually I think it would be possible and, and maybe even easy for us to think, do you know what? All this talk of change and of challenges and of of questioning things, that sounds a little bit like hard work. And so maybe like the Israelites, we're just saying, do you know what? Let's just go back to the way things were. Let's just go back to what we knew best. Let's go back to what was easy, how we used to do things. Old habits, old routines, our old priorities. I don't want to try something new. It's too much like hard work. I don't want to take stock and assess where I'm at. That sounds challenging. It sounds like it might get a little bit uncomfortable for me. I don't like that. I like an easy life. I want to be comfortable. I want to be happy. I don't want to try something new. Stop talking about rebooting. Let's just go back to the way things were. But I want to encourage you today to recognize and to grab hold of this opportunity that this reboot is giving us. Because God can use this. He can use times like this to mold us and to shape us into the men and the women that he has created us to be. Because you were born with a purpose. And I believe that without a shadow of a doubt. You were born with a purpose, with a plan for your life. And I believe that maybe, just maybe, this reboot, this opportunity, is a chance to shift some things and to maybe bring you more in line with God's plan for your life. Now this journey that the Israelites took from Egypt to the promised land that we know it took 40 years that they spent in the wilderness. If they'd have walked in a straight line, if they'd have walked as the the crow flies, it would have taken them 11 days. 11 days to get from A to B, from where they were to where God was calling them to be. But they moaned and they grumbled and they were upset and they were frustrated and they didn't like it. God took them round and around in circles. And why did he do that? He was hitting reboot on this people. He was hitting reboot. He was taking some time to to break down poor attitudes, to teach them to trust him, to teach them to trust him. So let's just remind ourselves of the journey that, that these people were on. God made a promise to Abraham back in Genesis, that he would bless his people, that he would restore his blessings onto his people, and then he would lead them into this promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. There is a promise over their lives, but because of their actions, because of their moaning and their grumbling, because of their unwillingness to follow and to trust in God, he leads them around and around And around again, so that this generation would not enter into his promise. Well, that almost seems like God is breaking his promise, and we know that God doesn't break his promises. But what we're seeing here, and just like we saw uh, last week in the story of Noah, is once again God's judgment and his justice on sin and on evil is being brought down on his people. Except this time, in this story, years later, down the line, what we're actually seeing is God's grace begin to show through. In those days of Noah, like we talked on last week, if you missed it, go and catch up. It's on Spotify or podcast app, wherever. Um, What we saw there was God's judgment coming down on his people. And he wiped out, he eradicated everyone except for Noah and his family. Because God cannot abide sin. God hates evil. And I know sometimes in church we don't talk about sin and we don't talk about the evil in this world because it can get a little bit uncomfortable. But the truth of the matter is God doesn't like sin He can't be around sin. And so in the days of Noah, when the people were just living these crazy lives that were not in line with his plan and his purpose, he said, enough is enough. I am going to wipe out this people. I am going to hit reboot and I'm going to start again. And then once again, we find ourselves in a place with the Israelites where these people are just no longer living. Even though they have seen God's goodness time and time again. If you know the story of the Israelites and their rescue from Egypt. It's incredible. It's powerful. Going through that, you cannot deny the the truth of God. And yet in the wilderness, in this challenging time, in this period of their life where things were a little bit difficult, They begin to doubt and question and moan and grumble and begin to just start living a life that was not honoring to God. Only this time, despite their continued rebellion, God shows his grace and his mercy. When they're moaning, we're hungry, we're thirsty, he gives them manna from heaven, he brings water out of a rock It's really interesting, this flow, as we go through uh, these these messages, that actually when we began with Noah, there was this global judgment. It wiped everything out. And then now we're seeing in in the story of the Israelites that still he's bringing his judgment, he's bringing his justice on his people, but now we're getting a hint of grace. We're getting a hint of mercy. And then as we move into the New Testament, well, we'll get to that next week. We'll get to that next week. But God's mercy is here in this moment. And although his judgment is still real and is still right, this generation won't enter into the promised land. He's not breaking his promise because his promise said that from the line of Abraham, they will enter into the promise. And so this generation that moaned and grumbled and couldn't rely on God, even though they'd been through all of this incredible stuff, They don't get to enter in, but the next generation will. And so God is able to keep his promise that he will bless the descendants of Abraham. So let's just have a look at some points uh, that we can draw out from this, this moment in history, from this story of the Israelites. Unlike last week, I am not going to read um, the whole story because it is not just chapters, it is books in the Bible. And I think maybe you want to get home for some lunch at some point. So um, hopefully th- what I've said has kind of given you an overview if you are unfamiliar with the story um, that we're talking about. So my first point is this, we weren't meant to live in the wilderness. We weren't meant to live in the wilderness. I think that at some point over the past 18 months, all of us will have struggled at some point, will have felt down, lonely, lost maybe. It's been a time of uncertainty, of fear and worry. There's been some real hurt and some real pain. But God's still on the throne, isn't he? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Do we need to just spend some time just talking about the foundations of theology? God is on the throne. He is still worthy of our praise. I don't know about you, but sometimes it can be difficult to praise God and to trust God when you're going through a wilderness Period in your life it can be challenging to to praise him and to trust him when you're in a difficult place when you're going through suffering when you're in pain when you're feeling lonely when you think maybe all hope is lost it can be challenging to praise and worship God and trust in him in those kind of moments but as we look at it from this perspective and this theme of a reboot, we begin to recognize that, yeah, it, it might have been a rubbish time for a lot of us. It might have sucked, but we weren't meant to live in the wilderness. We, me- we weren't meant to live in the wilderness, and so if you're still feeling some of that, that pain, that discomfort, that, that struggle, those challenges, maybe still kind of clinging on as we begin to come out of this and step out of this, I want to encourage you to shake it off, to allow this reboot to, to kick in and to start again in a new and a better way, a way that is in line with God's word because we know that we can trust in Him. Even when life is hard, even when we're still feeling some of the remnants of the, the past 18 months, we can trust in God. Remember what has happened in the past. Remember His goodness. We sang about the goodness of God. Remember about His goodness in the past. Remind yourself of His promises. Romans eight twenty eight. For we know that in all things... God works for the good of those who love him. It's tough to say that and truly believe it, isn't it, sometimes? Specifically when, when those old feelings are kind of clinging on, when we're still struggling, when we're still battling with stuff. But it is a promise from God and all scripture, I believe, is God-breathed and so it's in here for a purpose. This verse is in the Bible for a purpose, and we can trust in it. We can lay that as a foundation in our lives on which we can build. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him. I believe that that God's been using these past eighteen months, not only to, to maybe break down some old behaviours and challenge our our old attitudes, but to create a hunger, to create within us a passion to walk with him. It was my first point last week and I am going to continue to say it because it is vitally important. We need to cultivate a passionate relationship with God to get to a place where we want to spend time with Him, where it is not a chore to read our Bible or to come to church or to pray, but actually it is a pleasure. It is our honor. It is our privilege. We don't have to do this. We get to do this. I believe that God is taking us deeper into relationship with him. He is preparing us for a greater life, a better life, a life with purpose. And being able to to grow and to develop like this, shaking off bad habits, breaking down poor attitudes, it's so important for us. These seasons of life are so important for us, but we weren't meant to live in the wilderness. My second point, a reboot is a call to faithfulness. And again, I touched on this last week, but I don't think it's a coincidence that there are recurring themes through these moments in history, because it's all kind of very similar what it is that's going on with Noah, with the Israelites, and as we'll see later on in Scripture. Because Noah had to be faithful with what God asked him to do, didn't he? Noah had to be faithful And just like Noah did, even when the task seemed impossible, it seemed challenging, it seemed larger than life, the Israelites also had to be faithful in their walk with God through this time in the wilderness. The reality is that faithfulness is a decision. Faithfulness requires a a conscious decision to be made. Yes, I will be faithful, even when it's hard, even when it's challenging, even when what it looks like I'm being asked to do seems impossible. I will decide to be faithful. But they weren't happy in the wilderness, the Israelites. They moaned about being hungry and about being thirsty. But God demonstrated his faithfulness, didn't he? He provided food. He provided water. He gave them clothes that didn't wear out. But the challenge is not for God to be faithful. Because that is his nature. That is his character. That is who he is. He can't be anything but faithful. The challenge isn't for God to be faithful. The challenge is for us to be faithful, for us to be faithful. As part of the Israelite story, we get this passage in in Deuteronomy 6, which forms the base for, for the Shema, a Jewish kind of prayer or confession. Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 and 5, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your might that beginning word here is translated shemar in hebrew and well, actually it goes beyond just listening and hearing and it's actually a call to respond and to obey And then this verse goes on, doesn't it? Love the Lord your God. And the Hebrew word there for love is is more than just an emotion. It's more than just a feeling. It's actually a decision, a decision of wholehearted devotion to God that includes everything, your will, your emotions, your mind, your heart. There is an intentionality around being faithful. And as we're faithful to God, he will be faithful to us. We're not meant to live in the wilderness. It's a period of time. It's a line in the book of our life. And as we exit the desert place, as we exit the wilderness, as we reboot, our faithfulness will be rewarded with God's goodness. And we can believe for incredible things to happen in his name. And I think this kind of level of, of faithfulness, of trust in God, of love and obedience to him, it requires something. And this is my third and final point. A reboot requires a different spirit. It requires a different spirit. It will be no surprise to most of you that Caleb is one of my favorites in the Bible. We named our child Caleb But just to give you kind of the context of him within this story, Moses sent out 12 spies to assess this promised land, to check what it was that that God was sending them into, to see what it was like, to see what this this journey was going to be like. And they came back after scouting out the land and 10 of them came back and they said, there is no chance we are going to win this land. There are walls as high as football fields are tall. There are giants living in the land that are incredibly strong. There is no chance we are going to be able to defeat these people. But two spies came back, Joshua and Caleb. Two spies came back and they had a different view. They had confidence in God that they would be able to take possession of the land And ultimately, that's what allowed them to enter the promised land. Everyone else died out in the wilderness, never to to see the fulfillment of God's promise. But Caleb and Joshua made it. And it was this different spirit that set them apart from the rest. They had a different spirit. In Numbers 14, 24, it says, But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, there's that faithfulness again, I will bring into the land into which he went, and his descendants shall possess it. You know that Caleb means brave. I have told that story, as has Ruth. But I think it's important that as we reboot as we exit this wilderness, that we come out of it with a sense of boldness, that we come out of it with a sense of courage that says, yes, we can take possession of the promise that God has put on our lives. What has God promised over your life? As we exit this wilderness period, go with boldness and courage that you can take possession of it. We step out with a faithfulness and a trust in God that believes our best is ahead of us. And while there will no doubt be more struggles and challenges to come, if God is with us, no one can be against us. So I just want to quickly look uh, as I close at some qualities of Caleb, uh, aside from his name and that kind of boldness and that courage Uh, that can help us make the most of this opportunity that we have as we come out of the, the wilderness and into God's promise. The first is this. Caleb was a man of vision. He saw the land as the possession of God's people. He saw it as his inheritance. The other 10, they saw in the natural. But Caleb, he saw in the spirit. He had a vision of God. He was a man of vision. Secondly, he was a man of faith. When you fix your attention on obstacles, when you fix your attention on obstacles rather than the objective, fear will eclipse your faith. When you stop using your spiritual sight, which is fixed on God's work, which is fixed on being in his presence, when you stop using your spiritual sight and begin to use your natural sight, which only sees what's in front of you, which only sees kind of the clear and the obvious and the daunting and the scary, it can become too easy to to kind of focus on these difficulties, on the challenges, on the giants that are in front of us rather than this incredible promise that God has given us. And actually, when we look through natural sight instead of supernatural sight, we'll never reach the kind of pinnacle of our faith. Caleb was a man of faith. Faith sees the victory. Faith brings a good report. Faith sees with the eyes of God. Faith says, my God is greater than anything that comes against me. He was a man of vision. He was a man of faith. And he was a man of perseverance. Faith needs to persevere. Faith needs to persevere. They had been years in slavery in Egypt and then walking in the wilderness for so long. And in the midst of their grumbling, the Israelites just moaning and grumbling. And then with these 10 instances of these these doubters, these naysayers, these guys saying there is no hope for us. Caleb had perseverance. He stuck it out. He wasn't pulled away from what God was telling him because he had faithfulness, because he had a trust in God. He had had the, the kind of tenacity to persevere through all of that and believe in the promises of God. And fourth and finally, he was a man of encouragement. He spread the good news to others Numbers 13, 30 says, then Caleb quieted the people before Moses. I love that. He's like, shut up, be quiet. Stop with the negativity. Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. So much encouragement, so much passion, so much faith in these words. Let's come out of this Reboot of this wilderness period, not seeing things in the natural but in the supernatural. Where is God moving? What is God doing? Can we be open to his presence? I think it's it's been great just hearing. What, God speak this morning and actually recognizing that he is saying something to us without knowing what, what I was kind of talking on and touching on God knew. And he's saying we need to press into his presence. Not to busy ourselves with with stuff, not to get distracted by the naysayers or the negativity of this world, but to press into his presence to allow ourselves to just be in his presence, to dwell and to hang out in his presence. Let's be open to hear from God. Let's be open to prophecy, to visions, to dreams that are of God. Let's be men and women filled with faith, with our eyes fixed firmly on God, on his goodness, on his faithfulness. And even when times aren't easy, even when you experience setbacks, even when you recognize that you are messing up and making mistakes and stumbling in life, persevere, push through, pick yourself up, dust yourself off. This is not the end. This is only the beginning. And be encouraging. Do you know we all need a boost from time to time People may look, even as you're milling around after the service, having a brew and a cake, people may look like they are loving life and on top of the world, but you don't know what's going on inside. They may be having the worst day. They may be going through the biggest challenges and just putting on this brave face. We all need encouragement from time to time, so look for opportunities to be an encouragement to others, to encourage someone on their journey, on their walk with God. Find an opportunity to tell someone how great they are. This is not me fishing for compliments after the service. Find someone else just to go and tell them how great they are, how much you appreciate them, even for something that they might not see as significant. Go out of your way to encourage people. They'll feel good, You'll feel good. We'll all feel good. It'll be great. Be encouraging. We weren't meant to live in the wilderness. We are being called to faithfulness. And we're being called and we require a different spirit. Why don't we pray? Amen. Father God, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you once again for this opportunity that even through the struggles and the challenges that we have gone through these past 18 months, that we can come out of this wilderness period because we were not meant to live there. It was just a season. And I don't believe that you orchestrated what has happened, but I believe that you can use it for our good, that you can use it to challenge us, to inspire us, to mold us and shape us more and more into the men and the women that we were created to be. So I pray that as we move out of this, that we will grow, that we will allow ourselves to be shaped by you, that we will not fall into old habits and old ways of doing things and going back to what was comfortable and what was easy, but we will allow this opportunity to challenge us to make us ask questions, to make us uh, maybe rethink our priorities and how we have done things in the past and say, God, what is it that you are taking us into? What is this next season? What is this, this new and better way of doing things? May we be open uh, and attuned to your spirit as we hang out in your presence, as we dwell in your presence. May you speak with such clarity that we have no question of a doubt as to what it is you are saying to us. And may we walk in that with faithfulness, with a different spirit, with boldness, with courage. In Jesus' mighty name we pray.